Hey there, this is Mike, and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. I started to record this episode a few hours ago, but I ran downstairs to the tea shop, the nutrition shop in our building, and ended up having some lovely conversations down there. It's funny, regardless of how many chats start or how they start, they invariably end up on more spiritual things, uh, the power of the imagination power of faith, the power of awareness. And this morning I was talking with a friend of mine, Ted. His ex-wife has been refusing to let him see or even talk to his son. And this has been going on for years now. He started telling me about a recent Christmas in which he decided to just show up at his ex-wife's house so he and his new wife and daughter could see his son and give him Christmas presents. Well, his wife refused to let him see his son. He recounted the whole story to me with such vivid detail. And I could see it as we were talking, as he was telling me this story, he was reliving it. I could see the change in his eyes and his body, that he was right back there in that house, reliving that moment. I finally, I interrupted him. I said, I can tell you, you're actually right back there in your imagination, aren't you? You're reliving it. You're there now feeling the same pain. And he said, yep, I'm giving life to it. (laughs) Yes, yes you are. All of these hurts and regrets we continue to recall in our imagination, we relive them and they'll continue to be right here and now with us and confront us tomorrow. So we started talking about revision. Neville Goddard talks about it all the time. It's imagining, it's all imagination, but when he speaks of revision, he's referring to something from our past, regardless of whether it's five minutes ago or 50 years ago. He says that anything can be revised, changed in our memory. You might say, well, Mike, that's only in my memory. That doesn't really change the past. Well, let me ask you this. Where does your past exist if not in your memory, in your imagination? And the only reason it still confronts you is because you nurse it. You keep it alive by your consciousness of it. You hold on to that pain or the regret. Everything is sustained by the imagination. Leave off imagining it and it disappears with no trace. Neville says revision is repentance and revision results in repeal. He says you have that power. Test it by bringing a seemingly hopeless case before your mind's eye and revise it. Persist in revising it until you can let go of it by feeling the breath of relief because it is done. If tomorrow does not bring the confirmation or next week, wait, for it is done. And in a way that no one on earth could devise, it will come into your world and you will see the results of what you did. So I ask everyone to practice revision. Revise the past. I don't care what it is. Revise it and the past will conform to your dream of what it ought to have been and appear before you. I told Ted to take a few moments to go right back into that house, that same scene, back in that kitchen and reshape that moment to conform to what he wanted to happen. Instead of seeing his mother-in-law entering the room to tell him he won't be able to see his son, see his son turn that corner 
and feel the thrill of seeing his smile and feel his embrace and live that moment until you feel that relief, the reality of it. And then let it be, let it come. And like Neville says, in a, in a way that no one on earth could devise, it will come into your world and you will see the results of what you did. I know some online, I've seen people debating whether this really works, whether or not it actually changes the past. Well, it works according to your belief. If you don't believe it does any good, then it won't. And you'll continue dragging it with you. All of this comes down to belief, what you know, because consciousness is the only reality. So if one believes wholeheartedly that praying to a saint works, then it will. But it never was the saint. It's that person's belief. If you believe that tapping your face is the key to manifesting, then your belief will bring it about. That's why Jesus says a number of times, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. Anything is possible for the one who believes. He didn't distinguish between religions or races. It's your faith. That's why you see so many different programs and books on manifesting and transcendence. <laughs> because the person who wrote this or that book or devised this program experienced it their way according to their beliefs, according to their faith. And then they share how it worked for them. But if any of these authors imply that there's anything outside of your very self, anything at all, as a power that you need to tap into or rely on, well, I wouldn't buy any more of their products. For a long time, even though I insisted I knew that I trusted imagination, I trust imagination completely. <laughs> I found that there was still a little part of me putting this imagination as something separate, ever so slightly separate from me. And I realized that I changed the name of this power, but it still was held apart from me as something separate, as some separate presence that will decide I've done a particular manifesting technique long enough and finally give me what I want. I was still believing just like I did when I was living a religious life, the church life, relying on some power that feels close but it's still separate and I still need to convince this power. The names were changed, but my belief system hadn't. I thought about the pearl of great price, thought about buying it, in fact, put it on layaway. <laughs> Instead of actually letting go of everything, every belief in a power outside of myself and buying the pearl daily. Neville calls belief in something or someone as a power outside of self is tyranny of secondary cause. There's nothing or no one outside of yourself doing the deciding for you, unless you believe they do. This is from Neville's lecture, Heirs to the Universe. You own the universe, and if you don't know it, you can die of starvation for the want of one dollar, because you can't appropriate anything, because you think it isn't yours. You think that only what your senses dictate belongs to you. You think that only what reason allows you can claim. You can't for one moment 
bring yourself to believe that the whole thing is yours and all you have to do is appropriate it. It is yours. If you hear the word Jehovah and it doesn't conjure within you, I'm aware, then you have the wrong God. All things are possible to God. Yes, but if you think he's on the outside, you've gone astray. If you hear the word God and it instantly reminds you of who you are and all things are possible to God and all things are God, well, then you appropriate it. You simply take it. It's all yours. Simply assume you have it. Dare to assume you're in possession now of what you really want in this world. And if you dare to persist in that assumption, it will harden into fact. I love how Neville often says, you don't have to burst a blood vessel. I can always tell if I'm trying too hard because my head feels like it's in a vice. Feels like I am bursting a blood vessel. <laughs> how hard do you work or try? How many imaginal scenes do you do daily to breathe or to make your heart pump blood? You animate this body by your awareness of being it, having it. But you don't burst a blood vessel maintaining it. You don't even think about it. You just assume you'll wake up in this body the next morning. And so you do. You assume money is the most difficult thing in the world to manifest. And so it is. Maybe it's love. When you feel that urgent need to run somewhere private and redo an imaginal scene or get into the silence, notice what led you to that action. What subtle imaginal act led you to rushing away to try to fix something in the imagination, redo it, force it in one more time? I began noticing it when I got tired of this crazy circle this crazy, like a Groundhog Day type thing is constant. Lather, rinse, repeat kind of thing. Panic, redo, carry on. Panic, redo, carry on. Until I finally had enough, I lacked confidence in myself because I continually ran away to try to fix it because I didn't trust it. I didn't trust myself. I was still holding that power as something outside of me. Other people have a deciding factor. They have a say, something separate and outside of me, even though there isn't anything separate or outside of me. It was my premise that I didn't realize I was still resting in, a premise that I am not really the operant power and that I cannot guide my conscious reasoning mind as if I'm a victim to my conscious reasoning mind. Oh, I'm having these thoughts and oh, this conscious reasoning mind, it has such power, I can't control it. Well, as long as I continued to believe that, it took over. Like riding a wild horse. <laughs> so I began stopping myself as I would walk to my little hidey hole to redo a scene or, or try to fix something I would stop myself when I noticed that panic need to run and hide and reimagine that scene. Maybe it's for you to reread your affirmations. But maybe you don't have that panic feeling like I did. Instead of me running away, I stopped. 
I don't need to keep going back and starting over. I've done it. And right there, that decision, that conscious choice to say, no, I don't need to keep doing it this way. Because honestly, at that point, I noticed, I realized that that way never worked. It never worked. Any time in my life, and now we're manifesting daily. We're always imagining and we're always experiencing the product of our imagination. This whole, your whole life, what you're experiencing on the outside is the shadow of the light you're casting. So we're never not manifesting. But I'm talking about, you know, the things. We all have things we remember. We did this and I manifested that. And looking back, when it works so smoothly and quickly is when I just accept it. But this panicked feeling of doing it and redoing it and redoing it and going to bed hoping it works and then waking up feeling sick to my stomach. Well, the panicked redo and redo never worked for me until I just stopped. I took control. No, not going to do that. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I have. This is who I am. And this new person, this new state, doesn't need to keep doing that. The spirit God gave us isn't a spirit of cowardice, but of power, love, and self-control. And I don't mean self-control with any force or pushing or really any effort. Just the opposite. It's a decision. I'm not doing this that way anymore. <laughs> I'm getting off this crazy cycle. There's that verse in Proverbs, like a dog that returns to its vomit, so is a fool that is insane in his foolishness. <laughs> Other translations say, so is a fool that repeats his folly. <laughs> Well, I got sick and tired of being that dog returning to my own vomit over and over again. No one can do it for me. It's a choice I make. No man has faith in God who lacks confidence in himself. Your faith in God is measured by your confidence in yourself. That's one of my favorite quotes of Neville's. You are already that which you want to be. And your refusal to believe this is the only reason you do not see it. I love you. I'm feeling twisty.